rules everything around me. Cream soup sugars, dollar dollar bill ya. Coffee rules everything around me. Cream soup sugars, dollar dollar bill ya. Coffee rules everything around me. Cream soup sugars, dollar dollar bill ya. Hey everyone, thanks again for checking out the Creamcast. In this episode, I talked to William from Suits and Knives and Coffee Collab in downtown LA. Talk how he got started in coffee, the best compliment you can pay him, the best cup of coffee he's ever had. Kind of let him go on a lot of different topics. Uh, do with a lot to say, a lot of passion. If language isn't your thing, you should move on. But this is definitely a conversation that if you love coffee, that you're going to want to listen to. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, that's the. So that piece is going to come. Yeah, that one's an interesting one. It's always interesting with me, I guess. And Leo. Leo's kind of on his own thing right now, so he's kind of tied up. I mean, all these people from Asia coming in to see the shop. Nice. I think it's like, I don't know, we're one of the very few shops that people come in from all over the world to see us. That's cool. So it's crazy because I'm like, I'm not used to it. I mean, I am used to it, but I mean, it's, it's weird for me because I'm fucking in China. I'm supposedly this crazy ass person that everybody knows, but I don't even know it <laughs> because of a stupid tattoo that I have. Oh, really? Which know, one? My Hello Kitty tattoo. Oh, okay. That's how I'm But yeah, all the, all the girls that come here, oh, you missed the Hello Kitty. I'm like, yeah. Can we, t- can we take a picture? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I guess it's like this thing all over WeChat. I'm like, whatever. That's huh. cool. Crazy ass little girls. I mean, it's one of the things that I guess you don't see a lot of dudes with Hello Kitty tattoos. So yeah. They show up here and there. I bet you don't see a lot of, is, is there a lot of tattoos in China? Assuming not heavily tattooed dudes. I mean, I think tattoos are just kind of like slowly. Making a living. It's, it's one of those things that like, over time, they become part of normal society, so it seems. And people always say, oh, yeah, I never get me low time. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, if you're sleeved down to the cuff line and nobody can really tell, you can always hide it. Yeah. And it also depends how drastic you go. Like, some of my friends who have their faces done, like, I've been working with convincing my wife because she's like, oh, it's fine, just no more on the side, no, not on your face. And that kind of drew a line. I was like, okay, bitch. Um, I don't know about that because I've been intending for a long time to get the sides of my face done. What do you want to get? I was going to get the script down, basically. Oh, the cool. sides from where... Like your sideburns would be? Yeah, well, where my sideburns jobs would be. Yeah. But I, I wanted a nice script down to the jawline. But that's something that once you get married, you don't really have a choice in. <laughs> well, what, what do you... So, you like you said, you've got a ton of press coming out, or lots of shit's coming around your, your way. What do you not want to talk about? Because I, I don't really, everybody seems to ask you about, like, why you put your shot, like, everybody can go and read you, like, that's, that's fine, like, why, yeah. why do you put the shot Dude, Nothing's like, off limits, there. I don't like, mind talking about anything, I get a lot like, of questions all the time about stuff, and I'm fully forward about answering yeah. them. I think that the thing for me is that whether or not people like what I have to say about the situation, yeah. Yeah. they don't really realize that my meter for giving a shit is really, yeah on the zero point. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, I can't believe you said that. And it's like, why? Yeah. But your mom apparently told you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> My mom always said, if you got something to say, fucking say it, dude. <laughs> Spit it out. Yeah. You suffer the consequences. 
for whatever actions you make in life. And if you want to say, be prepared for the fucking response you're going to get back, you know? Yeah. You tell your parents, shut up. You get fucking slapped. Yeah. You know? I mean, but you can do it. Yeah. Just be prepared. So, I mean, I've kind of based everything off of that my whole life. But just don't yeah. filter shit. There's no point to. No, yeah. And it was like, oh, well, you should be more like this. And like, it's like, you shouldn't swear around little kids. What the fuck are you talking about? Don't swear around little kids. You know little kids have more access to yeah. screwed up, perverted, psychotic images now than they have ever in their whole entire existence? They knew what a Fifi was before you were even in fucking high school. You know, yeah. they, they know what shit is say two girls one cup and those kids fucking eight years old know what the fuck that shit is they made it viral yeah well, yeah <laughs> the world right now as yeah. much as reddit and 4chan and all the kids want to say oh we claim we claim ranks to this shit well you're the ones that wanted it to be yeah you know popular and you made it pop and now it's pop culture yeah well, what are you going to do you're going to go out there and hack some shit and stop some people no yeah because you're behind a computer screen just messing with people's information. But come reality, yeah. you go out into society and you try and pull that shit with an actual person. <laughs> yeah. Beat the fuck up. Especially if you can't hold your own. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I deal with it all the time, especially when it comes to racism. People are like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you're not racist. You're just real about it. I'm like, yeah. I mean, the stereotypes yeah. are out there, dude. And we live up to them. Asian people are shitty drivers. It's the way that it fucking goes. <laughs> I'm Asian. I don't mind it. I mean, I have shitty skills. That, you know, I don't have shitty skills, but I have that borderline of shitty driving skill. Mm. It just kind of balances out because I'm only half. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if I was whole, I'm sure I'd be slamming into cars a lot more and driving a white man and fucked up. But it's, it's one of those things I'd rather call it how I see it and, and make light of it because I think like too many people are hung up on that shit, you know? Yeah, and if you're if you're going to have... If you're going to say something or do something, it would be better to get a reaction at all than no reaction. Yeah. That makes sense. Even if it's negative, at least you made somebody feel something. Yeah, and, and I, I think the crazy shit is, is like when, whenever I refer, I say something like white people, right? I mean, automatically, yeah. it's not about the color of the person's skin. It's a mindset. It's a mentality yeah. of a person, you know, that is any person can be a white person. Yeah whether they're black, Mexican, Asian. I mean, anybody can be a self-loathing type of person. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's a mindset that's been created over time. And the only way you're ever going to break anything is if you actually start making light of things and start letting go of the past. Because too many people are like, well, my people, your people? So all of a sudden, you're the representative for a whole fucking race or a whole culture of people? That's a pretty bold statement to make. <laughs> Damn. So basically, you're everybody's master for your race. Wow, that's not arrogant at all to say. No, screw you, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a funny thing being me. I guess at the end of the day. What's been What's been the uh, uh, find most conversations we have before we start truly getting into it? Way more interesting than everything else. What's What's been the most interesting person that that's approached you to cover you, or has there been one? Or you just kind of take it in. Most interesting? Or like the one that's most, that you didn't expect? Betty Halleck. Really? Yeah, the LA Times. Yeah. I mean, when I first, and there's, you know, as of like, you know, trying to watch my words yeah. because of 
certain people in my life and in her life and everybody else's life. But the first time I heard Betty's name, I was like, oh, that's an old lady's name. And then the first time I saw her, I was like, Psh. <laughs> wow, holy shit, she's not old at all. <laughs> she is a very attractive female. Whoa. And then the fact that she was such a fan and supporting from like day one of my, what is it? Basically, from the, the moment I arrived on the scene here working in coffee, she kind of, you know, was a big fan. And it was like, you know, I felt blessed that she even took notice. Yeah, and then she actually had a palette, and it followed that well because a lot of people in Los Angeles weren't at that point yet, you know, mm -hmm. and they were just yeah. about what they wanted. Even even still, now it seems like it's it's getting better, but it seems. I, I think the thing with pal palettes are very crazy to me because I meet people on a day to day basis that they they claim that your palette gets messed up if you do this, if you do that. Yeah. They claim their palette is on point, but at the end of the day, it's just. A job mm -hmm. and everybody's palettes people say oh they're not exactly the same they aren't but in a sense they are yeah. we all have one thing in common we all like things that other people don't like <laughs> and we will never agree on what we think tastes good yeah. what I think tastes good compared to somebody else yeah. you know and that's a hard thing for people to you know buckle down to yeah but she was hands down one of the most surprising people, especially on our opening night when she showed up, I was like, wow, it's like, you know, I feel blessed to have somebody like her in my corner, you know, paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there's, there's a lot of people out there who have done a lot of articles and, I mean, Sprudge was nice, but at the same time, Sprudge is Sprudge, you know, and it's like, they can take offense to it however they want, they can, you know, rebuttal on comments, but, <clears throat> They wrote a decent article that I was very, you know, pleased with. I mean, it, at the same time, though, it's like there's so much more to the story than a lot of people will ever get into. Hmm. And I'm not the type to tell you the soft end of the story. <laughs> you know, I'm not the one who's going to yeah. be like, hey, well, let's, let's paint a beautiful picture for you, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to be saying that. We have a little tree right here. <laughs> and we're going to make a nice lake over here in a swan. I'm using my hands doing painting actions for you who can't see this. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, I, I've felt very fortunate for all of the people that have, you know, come across us or come across, you know, Leo and I's situation in general. Yeah. I think it's hard because when I first met him, it was like, it wasn't. We never expected things to go. We never, honestly, we never in our in our, any of our wildest dreams thought that the people of Los Angeles would get their shit together and <laughs> actually respect the culture the way it is. Mm -hmm. And now, <clears throat> now you have people that are in junior high and in high school that are drinking coffee, you know, and they're coming in and they're trying to train their palates at an early age. But it, it's also just a hype thing. Do you think, what do you, what do you think will happen when that, because that's kind of what I've noticed too, is, is coffee's super trendy right now, and it's, but it, but it seems like it's such a cornerstone of what a lot of people, it's different, it's different than a lot of other trends that kind of blow in and out, like what do you, what do you think it'll evolve into to, to stay? 
I think everybody's going to try and play games and pull out tricks, pull everything out of their sleeves that they can to, you know, make it something more than it is. You know, it's like, oh, well, this is a, this is a Porsche Panamera, but this is a Porsche Panamera GTS, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and they want to add all the bells and whistles and start doing all of this crazy crap, but at the same time, it, it's, it's copy. And it's going to go back to the basics again. Yeah. And I'm hoping that people start to realize that it's not about it's not about judging people. You know, like I always tell people, I'm like, when's the last time you went into a Target or a Best Buy and the dude who was putting your shit in a bag turned around and said, "Oh, you like how I put this shit in a bag? <laughs> yeah, I work in specialty bagging and has an attitude towards you. Yeah. You know, yeah. we get." They don't, you know, they don't know what you know. That doesn't make you a better person, you know? Yeah. You get your fucking, you get your transmission changed and you go to a mechanic and, you know, he doesn't look at you and go, you don't know how to change your own transmission. Are you a fucking retard? You know? Yeah. Oh, you want to put a trainee comp on that thing? Why would you do that, you know? Yeah. Or you want to put a stock trainee on that thing? You know? Yeah. Artisan culture for food is something that is very, what is the word? It was untouched for so long that as soon as it started to get a limelight on it, people decided to become pretentious, which is good, don't get me wrong. I think being able to say that you're in the food and beverage industry finally mm -hmm. and hold your head up high about it is a fucking positive thing because we're not all born equal. We don't <laughs> all have the same opportunities. I had this conversation with my, my mom the other day and I told her, I was like, you know, I love you to death and you gave me every opportunity possible in life, but I didn't have the same opportunities as everybody else. But I'll be damned if I sit around and cry and complain about it get my ass up and make some fucking moves, you know, I got shit to do. So, but I mean, I, I think it's gonna, it, it's gonna stick around. I think the coffee in general is going to plateau, but I don't think it's ever gonna actually be affected because there are three things people need in this world, you know? <laughs> you need a hospital to be born into, need a crutch in life, whether it be cigarettes, religion, alcohol, or the number one crutch, coffee, mm -hmm. and you need somebody to make your coffin at the end of the game. If you happen to be in that game and you choose to pick the crutch instead of working in a hospital or building a coffin, the likeliness of attention that you're going to get is a lot more than working in a hospital, you know. How often does a guy walk down the street who works in a hospital and saves lives get stopped in downtown? Yeah. Never. How often do people that work in artisan types of food walk down the street and get stopped? You know? yeah. They got banker friends that make an exponential amount of money more than I ever have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they they still look to me like, man, you're so lucky. And it's like. For what, dude? Just because a couple of people know who I am, or a little bit of press or admiration from my colleagues in my industry, I make chum change on top of you. And it's just funny how money and press can keep keep people so separate in their like views of how they see each other. Yeah. You know, I just look at myself. It's like I wake up every day. I'm just that dude. You know, I'm like, yeah. Wake up.
gotten into it, what I do, and have fun at it. They see it as like some crazy thing. And I'm like, don't be blinded by the whistles and fucking lights and smoke. I'm nothing more than a dude who works in the food and beverage industry. Do you, do you think that realness is what's built the cult of you, essentially? I know that's, that's probably not how you would put it or how you would the say what? it. The cult of you. You have people who hunt you down, people who uh, come to this neighborhood in order to drink your coffee. Is that... I, I think... It's kind of a throwback. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard for me to say that, that it is. At the same time, I think a lot of people come because... They know that no matter what happens when they walk into the environment, they have a way of making people feel very comfortable mm -hmm. in an uncomfortable way. Yeah. I don't mind saying things that are, you know, very touching to the world, <laughs> but they can laugh about it because they know that, in all honesty, we all know how the world works. Mm -hmm. We all know what's right and wrong. Regardless of what the world paints out or what other people see, we all know what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, if we joke about it and somebody can put you on, on, on the point to where you feel uncomfortable and it makes you laugh, that's the only thing that makes you alive is feelings. Mm -hmm. The only reason you know you're physically here is by feeling. Now, being uncomfortable is something that you feel. Yeah. So people tend to come through, you know. I think a lot of it, hunting us down, though, has to do with, you know, and I hear it more than enough. It's like, hey, you guys have five stars on Yelp. I'm like, we, we honestly don't even pay attention to Yelp. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we're not going to, I don't, I don't care if you want to write a good review. I don't care if you want to write a bad review. It's all a person's opinion, you know, and when it comes to opinions, it's like, we've heard the saying a million times, they're just like assholes. <laughs> so basically Yelp is something that is giving somebody a point to like reference to. And I think a lot of people come out this way because of Yelp, but also because of the fact that I said something, I proved it. Mm -hmm. I told everybody, I'm going to build my own coffee shop. What do you mean? You're going to open a shop? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my own coffee shop. Naysayers from everywhere. Every person I knew in the industry laughed, chuckled, had a fucking roll with it. <laughs> and I heard more than a handful of people say, you can't build your own coffee shop. And I was like, I can't build my own coffee shop. You think I, I'm not handy? You think all I'm capable of doing in this world is making coffee and making latte art? Got the wrong motherfucker. Dude, I can throw a hatchet from 100 yards and hit a redwood tree. I can build whatever the fuck I want. I've been building shit from day one. I don't, you know. Yeah. I built the womb I was born in. Come on, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And then when I finished, everybody was kind of like, wow, he actually built his own shop. Holy shit, I wasn't fucking kidding. It's like, no, I wasn't kidding. But, I, I mean, and I can understand, you know, like the last article that was printed, I, I was at one point, I was high risk, you know? Yeah. Just because it, the coffee world, not even the coffee world so much as the world, really doesn't take too lightly to people don't give a shit about what is right or wrong or how you present something to somebody. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're a good person, you're a good person, you know. Is that calculated risk holding the coffee back? You seem it, it's it's more of a hands-on, shoot, I want this, all right, we're gonna go get this. Like, well, if it doesn't work, we fix it. Like, 
the whole idea of if it doesn't work, we fix it is is the perfect approach. The execution is it comes down to in life, you need to make every decision within twelve seconds. Either way, no matter what decisions you have to make in your life, every decision that you make will have a good and a bad outcome. The only difference is, is the longer you take making that decision, the longer, the less time you have preparing for the bad outcome. Now, may the bad outcome never actually show up, and you got lucky, and a good outcome is what you got. Then, hey, who cares? But if you make that decision within twelve seconds, instantaneously. Any decisions that you have made, if the bad outcome is going to show up, you have a lot of time to make, you know, a plan, mm-hmm. an evac plan, you know, a way to change whatever is coming your way. But a lot of people they struggle with things. You know? yeah. so the machine breaks, fix it. That's three thousand dollars. Fix it. Don't care. Do it now. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, we can still get by. Fix it. No, we can't just get by. There's no just getting by in this world. I mean, the whole idea of whether you make a decision or not to change something or keep it straight, like, or base it off of the, the senses, you know, of everybody around you, that's just you being indecisive. Hmm. It's a cowardly way out in the world. Let's take a poll. Why don't you make a decision? Man the fuck up. <laughs> Well, because I want to know what everybody thinks. Who cares what everybody else thinks? You're the one that has the ultimate decision. If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, you like it. Now, if you're in a room full of people and nobody's in charge, you have, you know, a bunch like you know the. You're in a room. There's a bunch of shit. You got to find your way out. Well, you either elect the leader or you all come to a decision of who is the most equipped to lead. That person should go forward. Oh, well, we should all make a decision together. Yeah, look how well communism worked out. That's a great fucking idea. Sorry, the last time I checked in almost every war that we've been in, from the civil to the fucking Louisiana Purge to everything in our history, there wasn't a bunch of people banding together saying, let's make a decision. Really? Let's make a decision? Where the fuck did that get you? You know? I feel it's the same way in coffee. You know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, you like it. But don't put it on a bunch of people because everybody's different. And just going by a majority of things, once again, look what the majority has gotten us. Yeah, is doing is 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 being decisive and making twelve second decisions. Is that is that ultimately going to just push you further? Is that gonna is that gonna push you past roasting a bur- or you know a Burundi and, and having a Yergachev on? everybody else has it on too. No, I mean, I don't even think about that, you know? People are like, well, everybody's doing this. That's cool. I mean, everybody's dressing up as lumberjacks too, and they're not. If if I did what everybody else did, that would be just, last time I checked, I wasn't caring about being cool or trying to be cool. Just doing what I want because If you don't try different things and do what everybody else do, if you don't stay away from the the current stream, you're just you know following a path, you know. And then what? Your capacity to last is only as long as the first person to fall off. Mm-hmm. But if you're going completely opposite into the woods, yeah. you learn a lot of stuff because you're not depending on other people. 
you learn how to survive. You learn how to make way for what you have and take care of things in a different manner than others. And I believe that coffee-wise, I'm just so interested in trying everything that's out there, you know? What about when you're sourcing? And I'm like, well, if all my friends can get their hands on is this or this or this, you know, at the time, yeah. try it. Screw it, why not? Oh, you shouldn't put that, you shouldn't make an espresso blend with that. You should use single origin. Why? Who the fuck are you to tell me what to do? I should. Because if you were in my shoes, you could make that decision. But you're not in my shoes. You're in your shoes, so you go make that decision for yourself. I, I like interesting characteristics and notes in coffee. I mean, yeah. shit, dude, if you're eating Skittles your whole life, and you never get to try M&M's, Reese's Pieces. You never get to try Starburst. You never get to try any of the shit that's out there. Yeah. And if you never take handfuls of all of them and just smash them in your mouth and chew them up, yeah. you don't know what awesome taste you're going to come up with, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that you can't, you can't follow. And if you do follow, you, you're doing the lemming effect, you know? What's, what's the most interesting copy that you've had that you've never seen from anybody else? That you got and you just went, holy smokes. Most interesting. I mean, I, or weirdest. The weirdest coffee I, I think I had. I mean, I really can't say. I mean, I could say that being in New York and having somebody make you coffee out of a sock, just like a wood neck, is definitely interesting. You know, I, I mean, I could say that having coffee from. America, you know, from Santa Barbara especially, was definitely mind-blowing because that's just geographically not where coffee usually is raised, but they've done an awesome job at it. Um, I could say it's interesting, you know, in the Jamaican Blue Mountain, and people make a hype over this coffee because it's whatever, and really it's like the worst coffee I've ever had. <laughs> even if I roast it myself, and honestly, I mean, I don't praise myself as the, the greatest roaster, even good at roaster or mediocre. I do what I do, and I like my profiles, but mm-hmm. even going try hard on that shit, it was fucking impossible to get something that I enjoyed. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't, that somebody else doesn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. that somebody else doesn't respect it. I understand why they would. Mm-hmm. I can understand why their palate is trained to. But that's the point of being a connoisseur and being somebody who just actually drinks coffee and says that they know a lot about coffee. When they make that that point to say, I don't like natural process. Why? Because I don't. But then you're not a connoisseur because you can't respect why people like it and you don't like it. I mean, I like I like all coffee. I like Jamaican Blue Mountain. It's just one of those things. It's like it was interesting to me to think you charge so much money, you know. And I understand the concept of like supply and demand. You have X amount of feet to work with. You only get this much yield. Mm-hmm. Makes the price value this high. But at the same time, in my head, it's like, there are so many other coffees that you can make a hype about like that, you know? But I find it interesting. I find a lot of things interesting about coffees, you know? I just, there's no one thing I can say that I've had on a bar that I was intrigued by, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I was intrigued that, what was it, the Esmeralda from Stumptown that was flowing to a different mountain to be dried in a different bed of yada, 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 yada. And sorry, people. I mean, I know you're listening to this right now. And I have so much 
damn information in my head that I forget lots of things. And I know a lot of it, but at the same time, the numbers and all of the years and dates and mountain ranges along with roasting and running companies disappears. But to have that coffee at whatever it was and whatever she did to it and made on an AeroPress and all the hype over it and the amount people were paying for it from Stumptown, mm -hmm. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> this is, I made it through AeroPress, I made it through V60, I made it through Siphon, I made it through Chemex, I made it through a coffee maker, you know? Yeah. Shit. I may as well have made it through a sock because to me it was just like, it was coffee, you know? It was just, there was no notes that were so significant to me that were mind-blowing, orgasmic, you know? It was just like, eh. It's coffee, you know? So, I mean, those things I find interesting about the culture. There's a lot of stuff, you know? Anything that's just, like, eccentric or, you know, exceptional or things that stand out to me in coffee, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is how everybody's kind of divided themselves. Mm -hmm. We're all on the same team. We're all underpaid. We all work <laughs> in the food and beverage industry. Yeah. When we were in our 20s, we took no responsibility to the future and got fucked up, screwed around with the girls at our shops, woke up late. We didn't have to wake up late for a day shift. Woke up early and fucking hung over, dragged our asses to work, tried to put on a smiley face and deal with people who had no caffeine in their system. And we're just like, ooh, and still tried to remain pretentious. That's a pretty damn hard beat, you know, to cover. But that's the thing I find the most interesting out of coffees, you know, and coffee in general right now. You know, there's a lot of other things that go with it, but it's just a handful, you know. Yeah. Well, who who do you who do you champion? I guess who 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 have you who do you see that you you root for? Because we're again we're all on the same team. What do you mean as a root for? I think roasters, baristas, cashiers, everybody behind the scenes. Yeah. Is there a company that's doing their art project similar to you doing your art project that you respect? I mean, I respect everybody. I, I don't think that any of us do our projects the same. I think it was a, a, a very bad day when Hanson took its fall, you know. Um, was, that, was that building the community down here the, or the, the, I guess the confidence of roasters down here? I don't think it was the confidence. They had a lot of bad reps. You know, a, a lot of bad, not reps, a lot of bad, um, they just got a bad rap real quick for what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. But what they were trying to do is what they were. Mm -hmm. And that's respectful in all means. Yeah. Well, they don't have, they don't like sugar and milk. So that's what they do. Mm -hmm. so do what they do. Yeah. At least they're sticking to their guns. It's in the name. Dude, I'll fucking, <laughs> I, hands down, dude, big ups to them motherfuckers for sticking to their guns. Because that's some shit that people don't do. Everybody else is following the motto, you know? Oh, do this, do this, do this, do this. Um, who I respect? I respect Jack over at COG, you know? I think Jack is one of the most interesting, hands-down, intelligent people that I've met in coffee in a long time. But he also has a background in something that's very different from most. I, I think... Um, uh, on Dante, Jacob, Jacob yeah. Park, and he's uh, he's quite the character. Drives into humor, 
but he knows his shit inside now. But it's not the dude to go around flexing on people. Yeah. Um, and he's super polite. And he always dresses to the nines. Always. And we were having a conversation one day, and he was just like, there's no point in coming to work in that kind of, those types of clothes. And it's like, I look good. The ladies <laughs> like it a little bit. I'm like, you're married, so so what? They're like, I look good. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, I like Bobby a lot. I think Bobby is, I think Bobby from Demitas, if you guys don't know. I think when Bobby started, I remember, and he, he, a lot of people will say shit about him that they don't want to cop to behind his back. But hands down, he is a very passionate person about what he does. Whether or not people believe it or not, that's not his problem. He believes it, and that's all that matters. He's like, it's a business to us, you know? And if you can't find a passion in that business, that's when it becomes a problem, and you're just a, you're just a money maker. But Bobby has a lot of passion for what he does, you know? And he's a very respectable dude. Even though some people say shit, it's like, you know what, dude? So what, dude? You know, that's yeah. the way it is. And then, all knows your chimney is, you know, he's a good dude, he has his heart in the right place. I think he picked a location that definitely is not there yet, and when, quote unquote, I know everybody's mad about the gentrification thing, but it's gonna happen, Chinatown's gonna go down, and it's gonna become a different type of Chinatown, but when the, when the business shows up and the people start showing up, the coffee scene there will be massive. And he's there, he's a, you know, he's a pioneer of Chinatown right now. Is that, is that a, if you don't have a half million bucks to throw in the shop, is that a, is that a way to do it? Is jump into a neighborhood, wait five years if you can? And yeah, I don't, I don't think it's so much that. I mean, I don't even know if he actually intended to do that. I think he did what all of us do, which is, you know, it's a retail, it's a real estate game. It's look for yeah. a location that you can afford and something that you <laughs> like that won't put you out. Yeah. And if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, Has becoming a business owner changed your passion for coffee or how you think about it, or has it just amplified it? My passion for coffee. Or your relationship with coffee. <laughs> My passion for coffee. Um, the thing with coffee and it's a hard thing to explain because passion-wise and the love that I have for coffee, it's not a love-hate. It's like an abusive relationship, you know? You consistently go back to it because you love it, even though it treats you like shit. And I tell everybody at the same time, like young Gene over at fucking Dulce, he's like, oh, I'm leaving coffee. I was like, you ain't doing shit, bitch. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> You don't get to leave coffee. The minute you signed up for this shit, you're stuck. You leave and you end up coming back. We all do. There's no way out, ever. Yeah. People are like, I'll get out. No, you won't. Because you'll realize <laughs> that you're miserable. It's your job. You don't have freedom. And that you make the equivalent of what most people with a college degree make. You're making 20-some-odd dollars fucking an hour under the table, untaxed. You don't pay for coffee. Do you know how much you would drink in coffee a year? If you were having to pay for it, a lot of motherfucking money. A lot more money than you think. $1,300 a month, approximately, which is a major chunk out of your corporate paycheck. So don't tell me, I'm getting out of coffee, because your ass will be right the fuck back where you belong in coffee. 
<laughs> so it is. It's an abusive relationship. It, yeah. it, you love it because the interaction with people is so real and raw and just every goddamn fucking second of it is just it's unfiltered, you know. Because a person you know so well every day could come in in the morning and be like, "Fuck you." I haven't had coffee, I'm not up for your jokes today, you know? To take the punches and you get back up and the next day everything's back to normal with you guys. You kinda you kinda catch them unfiltered. Yeah. You definitely you're do. Especially untouched by the day, it's kinda it's kinda fun. It, it's <laughs> never yeah, I mean my passion hasn't changed if anything. My passion for the culture has grown to a new level where I think, you know, the awareness and consciousness of how we are as a group, as a culture, is engaging to be more of a front man for speaking on things than to just sit back and let it happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's pretty arrogant. It's like, it's not arrogant. I say shit and then you start to do it. Arrogant would be me saying it over and over and me never changing, you know? Mm -hmm. But I've seen them. Then I'm not calling anybody out. I ever, I have no need to call anybody out. They know who they are and they know exactly what the situations are, you know? Um, it, it's one of those things. But what do you what do you see as all this involves? What do you what do you see? Is positive and maybe maybe not as positive. What, what do you mean as positive? It's in the culture. Well, I mean the culture has always been here. That's the thing is, we've always been here as a culture. Coffee shops have been around since. Yeah, they used to be diners, mm -hmm. and they became coffee shops. <laughs> but they've been around a long time, and they. I have arguments with my wife about this all the time because she works in fashion, and uh, she doesn't agree that it is what fuels current trend. Hmm. And I tell her it's bullshit. Because the reason everybody is the way they are is because of coffee shops. And people are like, oh, that's an arrogant thing to say again. It's like, no, it's not. You go to coffee shops to find out about new music. You all started growing beards and dressing like lumberjacks shops. You all started riding bikes because it was our new mode of transportation because we didn't have cars or it didn't make sense to drive that far. We just wanted a break from, you know, riding into work. You started using vinyl record players and every possible fucking thing you could think of, from restaurants to retail to fucking Lord knows what you do. We used fucking record players because they were cheap and they were at the Goodwill. And they fucking work, and you can get a bunch of records and play some awesome tracks from the past. And the thing is, it's like, you watch, I mean, before even the lumberjack thing, you know, it was dapper, bow tie, suspenders, vest. That era had left for the mid 2000s. Before that, it was the skinny jeans, the this, the that. And if you calculate it back and track it, you were in the shop. You see all of it, and you're like, well, what about females, high fashion? Nobody fucking cares about high fashions. 
when the fuck was the last time you saw somebody walking around with something from the runway down the street? And if you did see them, don't you think you'd look at them and be like, that bubble suit is pretty fucking weird? You look like a crazy person. What is wrong with you? You know? Yeah. It's the catwalk. That's what they wear, you know? It's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing that you're going to see out on everyday wear for the world. So it does. It contributes to a lot of in coffee shops and places people meet. You know? They talk. They work. They have kids. Mm-hmm. They get married. Yeah. They run the blogs like Hype Beast. They run all of the crazy things that are going on in the world. That's the Bible. I mean, you have all of these, you know, reference points to the world and pop culture and trend that are coming from people who go to coffee shops or a designer who goes in there and takes something that alters it just a little bit different. And yeah, of course the designers and the name brands are always going to be something that they design for the people who live in Midwest America and then design something a little more risque or different or contemporary or modern for the fucking East or West Coast. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have the dudes who are wearing the suits being bankers doing their thing. But current pop trend and the culture of it spawns from the coffee shops. So, so I want to talk about, you and I have a weird link, uh, like a really weird link. And uh, so did you work, was Def Dog your first coffee job? No, Def Dog okay. was not my first coffee job. Okay, people. Um, so shout out to Def Dog. We're going to touch on something right now that's realer than real. And uh, Americana one is that it's been my study for 15 years, which is very true. It's probably been longer than that. How did you, everybody has the crazy how they started at Def Dog Store. This is how I ended up on that. On May 5th, my mother spread her legs and gave birth to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I came out of the womb and straight up was like very forward about my future. My parents said, what do you want to do? Well, actually, my parents didn't. I was in second grade, and I got suspended because my teacher, we had to do this report on, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be an assassin for the U.S. government and kill people. Nice. And I wrote a whole story and drew a whole bunch of pictures of me killing people. If that didn't set off alarms, I don't know what the fuck else would have. And after that, my mom said, hey, you know, that's, that's not realistic. And I kept at it for a while, probably until about sixth grade. And then my dad was trying to put me into computer school and all of these things that these Japanese and he wanted to be to be the ideal candidate for the half Asian, half American boy, first generation. And I thought, fuck that, you don't want to work in coffee shops. Some people want to work in bookshops, they want to work in record shops, they want to work in well record shops don't exist really anymore. But <laughs> you know, people want to work in a used to want to work in a video store, yeah. some fucking idea that the video stores, yeah, that you don't have video stores anymore. You have red boxes, Netflix, and I wanted to work in a coffee shop and do it. Yeah, from day one. Was there a shop you walked into, or was it just you saw it? I liked the idea of the coffee shop, and I knew the valuable valuable aspect of human interaction. And and it would give me an opportunity to feel what people felt and talk to them. Not like that, but you know, I got to know what each person in the world was like day by day. 
You could get real with them for 30 seconds or an hour. Yeah. Depending on what they would let in. Because when you die, you don't get shit. You don't get to take a damn thing with you. No money, no books, no fucking records, no damn fucking money, jack outfit, no fucking fireman suit, no nothing. The one thing you can remember is what it was like to have an interaction with somebody, like the first kiss, you know, the first mixtape. Kids don't know what that is. Uh, the first anything, shit, dude. Like fucking, uh, my brother was talking about this thing with Billy Bob Thornton and how he was saying, I remember when I used to pay $90 a week for rent and I got paid $98 a week and all I had was $8 and it was like, let's go get powdered donuts and rum. And, and the thing is, it's like, those, those memories, those feelings, you know, like not being able to look up whatever you're thinking of because it's on the tip of your tongue on your phone, those feelings are the things that are the most important to us as people that we've kind of lost touch with. And that's why I wanted to work in a coffee shop because I understood that as a young age, my best friend was killed on my birthday. So it kind of left an impact of like what feeling was. I was a young kid, I was in like second grade or something. But like, you know, when you're in second grade, your best friends, we're gonna go up and conquer the world together. Instead yeah. of just hanging out with my girls and fuck the world up on my own. Um, my first job was in Wolf's Coffee. And so I was 14 and I could work part time and I was doing homeschool because I'd been expelled. And yeah. I'd show up in the morning and it's a pump coffee in a, in, yeah. a, in a rush service line, basically, where it was just air pots, and like all we did was fill the coffee and take the money and fill the coffee and take the money. Because the coffee was the only thing that there was a line for other stuff of people hanging out in the shop, but the drip coffee was the, the amount of drip coffee that went out of there was fucking retarded. And that area is super blue collar. It's a San Rosa's. Yeah. Super yeah. crazy. And I just remember, yeah, yeah, next, 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 next. And it was like mid-morning, 11 o'clock, my shift was just about to end, and the grinder seized up, put her fucking hand in the grinder, leaned forward, oh, no. and hit the button on it, and it took off a chunk of her pinky. And she started screaming. The manager saying, does anybody know how to make drinks? And you're sitting there going, fuck that bitch. Somebody about to take their job. I got paid! <laughs> and I, I was like, I know how to make all the drinks. And they're like, you're fucking 14 years old. You don't know shit. I was like, nah, dude, I know. Trust me. I've been, fuck you. Give me a chance. And they were like, okay. So they emptied out the decaf grinder, used a decaf grinder, and just told everybody there was no decaf espresso. Which at that time, I don't think it mattered because nobody really knew decaf existed. Yeah. I remember it being 11 o'clock, we passed my hours, the next person came in at 1, I was staying over, I wasn't supposed to mention it because it was against the rules or the law, and they could really get in trouble, and I called my mom and I was like, hey, they put me on, on, the, on the espresso machine, I, I'm going to stay until 1, and she's like, okay, and I just fucking wailed away because the lunch rush came, and if you don't know anything about blue collar towns, when the lunch rush comes, they don't want lunch. They want to go get their coffee and sit around and do whatever the fuck they do and smoke cigarettes. Yeah. They didn't have cell phones at that time to fuck around on. 
and they would eat their lunch at their desk after they had their hour-long coffee break or two hours. So it was a two-hour rush, and I was 14 years old, just fucking manhandling shit. And I didn't get caught up in it. I was really quick. And I was like, yeah. And, and, and I knew, I was like, this is my opportunity to get my ass on that machine. And my reputation grew from that. I, I ended up in Death Dog and then did a bunch of no-name crappy shitty coffee houses that were chains in that area at that time. Because yeah. coffee houses were popular, but it wasn't the same type of coffee scene really yet. You know, it wasn't really there. And that was mid-90s or late getting. We'll not, say not, somewhere. Not we'll say somewhere around there. Um, <laughs> And I just remember fucking wailing away on it. And every shot just, you know, picking me off one by one and contacting me back and forth, back and forth. And Death Dog got a hold of me and I was like, yeah, I like you, what's up? And we have this cart, it's in a parking lot. <laughs> we do 500 cars in the fucking first three hours. You don't get a break. I was like, can I smoke while I'm on the machine? They're like, yeah. I was like, fuck it. Ta-da. And that was the first time I was actually introduced to light roast coffee. <laughs> and I guess a couple years later, you probably ended up working there. Yeah, I was at a different one, but it was a similar. I was by the bowling alley in Petaluma. So. Over by the skate park, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, at that point, I saw the very first latte art being. I remember being in my mid-twenties in downtown and seeing all of these people coming up and we're at Intelli's, Intelli had just moved out here, mm. and this really fancy shop was made for coffee and Intelli that were doing shit. And huh. I remember seeing people that were younger than me just getting into it, and yeah. just so arrogant and cocky about it, I was like, whatever, you ain't shit. <laughs> I got shit that you don't know nothing about, I've been in this game for a long-ass fucking time, <clears throat> and this isn't something where with time you expire. This is something that with time you get experience, you get knowledge, you get power. These kids always came in and be like, oh, well, what's your TDS? A motherfucker like you would know anyways what the hell to do with that in the first place. <laughs> and what does TDS matter in the first place? Why? Well, it matters. Why? Because the Golden Cup sets up. So your, your palate is of that of that person, damn, that's pretty narrow-minded and basic right there. Yeah. My palate's completely different. Maybe I like my TDS level higher. Well, that's not right. Says who? Yeah. Says what? So a person who drinks a fucking whiskey sour and old-fashioned isn't the equivalent to a person who just drinks straight scotch or straight bourbon or straight rye or whiskey? Mm. Wrong. You are all fucking wrong. What matters is, is the shot good? Mm -hmm. How do you like your shot? And that's one thing I think I've been predicting is how the shots are going to start changing is people getting more on point with, well, how do you like your shot? Uh, or how do you like your shot in general? And, and if you actually go that route, then things get fucked up because then these kids now have to use their A game. They have to dial in all the time. <laughs> but heaven forbid you actually have to work instead of setting grind maybe once every 30 minutes. Now you have to set up every fucking time with each person. Because that would be some impressive shit right there. Yeah. Well, I think my TV is at 1.37. Oh, okay, sure. 
next. I want mine at 1.92. Okay, you know, but but that's something that's on a whole nother level for other people. Now, I mean, that right there for me, coffee and starting so far back was one of the things that really I still use as a reference point today. I just don't say anything with it, but then I just kind of chuckle and I'm like, oh yeah, well, what about this person who's doing this? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Do you know how old Ron was? Do you know who Ron is? You think Ron is L. Ron in Scientology or some shit? If you don't even know Ron as Ron, he doesn't even have a last fucking name. That's how old and legit that fool is. He had John doing light roast before any of you motherfuckers knew what a light roast was. I remember he went, he used to go to, when he would go to the annex, he would go to Uncommon Ground in Berkeley. That was his stop. And he would swing through, because we were on the way to do, um, from the warehouse to the freeway, he would swing through and, and uh, I think it was before he, I think him and Liz got married, but he would swing through by himself with whatever fucking dog he had at the time. And uh, he would tell us about this shop that he was going to that had that would use one pitcher at a time, and they refrigerated them. And that was like a fucking, that was this, that was, you know, 10 years ago, it was 12 years ago, like before everybody else. Yeah. And that, and that for, even for me, that's, that's late in the game. Yeah, that's real late. Yeah. That's like, I mean, I was around when his death dog was still alive. That's a long time. Yeah. And his, he brought John in to start roasting and showed John everything about light roast coffee and stuff. But mm -hmm. before John, Ron had been doing it for 20 some odd years before that yeah. by himself in his house. Yeah, while he was, while he was a banker. Yeah. And people were like, well, coffee is this, but you know, well, in Portland they would do, fuck Portland, dude. You weren't doing shit, dude. This dude was on the fucking cornerstone of everything. This fool set the boundaries. This fool was doing shit before any of you motherfuckers even thought about it. Went home to day job in the seventies and a fucking banger. I was tasting notes of shit that I didn't even know existed when I was in high school. Yeah, and, and there's no respect as coffee to be. Yeah, CAA doesn't acknowledge anything because they're in their own world up whatever rules they're making up next year, changing whatever they changed this year behind closed doors, you know. Were you roasting with Def Dog at all, or did that come I from I started roasting with Def Dog when I was 16 years old. And at that time, I wasn't allowed to do any profiles, wasn't allowed to change anything, and basically would take the drop, you know, put it in the garbage cans, yeah. let it degas, Bag it up. Well, not even bag it up. Put yeah. it in paint buckets. And ship it to the stores. Yeah. yeah ship it to the stores. <laughs> like mark the it. top of the lid. Yeah. And it's like on point. Yeah. Environmentally friendly. Like, yeah. Putting these in paint buckets and labeling the tops. Yeah. And then shipping them to the shops. And then when they were empty, they'd come right back and they'd just go refill them. But yeah. no one coffee ever touched a different bucket. Yeah. Every bucket had its own coffee. Every coffee had its own bucket. And was only used for that. Yeah. And I mean, to to be dialing in on a scale in that year or those years, I'd been to Portland at that time. 
My sister lived in a fucking well-known, very super famous punk house in fucking Portland that still to this day is recognized. And I was a kid, dude, and I got there, and the coffee was fucking shit. <laughs> and I went back down, and I was like, damn, dude, I can't wait to get back home. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you think it would have been different had he been doing that now? Had... Had Ron started 20 years later? Yeah. He would be... Old as dirt? I mean, <laughs> put him in a time machine, ship if, him out if, of here. If Ron would have been here now, the game would be a lot different. He'd probably be one of the most iconic people of all time. Because he had, he had that aura about him. I think that's that's a big... That's that's what I find really interesting about you know, Dwayne at Stumptown or you know, all these guys that run these companies is there's not that one iconic like when you thought of Def Leppard you instantly thought of Rock that was that was the dude bad shit crazy drunk alcoholic ex-banker fucking super copy nerd yeah he had all the answers it was it was it fuck dude he knew about shit about farming techniques that still to this day you motherfuckers are still learning about yeah and he said nothing just in his own world because it was the culture wasn't culture then it wasn't yeah it wasn't people giving a shit about extractions or reference points or nuances, but he did. He cared about all of that. I mean, even the, the old like 1950 shirts with the print with the one with Jesus and the coffee cup on it. Like, yeah. His fucking shirts were fucking iconic, but he just was in the wrong time. I mean, That's crazy. honestly, to this day, it's like if I could get coffee from him, I still would. Yeah. But it's a sad thing for what happened, you know. I wish, I really think that, that we need a new standard of coffee and we need new people to come about and start writing and showing the history of stuff instead of people who just got into it for the money. Because basically nowadays there are these people who say that they are responsible for everything and anything and honestly they aren't responsible for shit. They're all just adding a story or a time something and they're doing it because they're old and you really can't look that far back. Well, I'm not that fucking young. I was there. So if you want to lie, you can lie. I come from a badass neighborhood. I just happened to be into coffee by luck. You know, I wanted to work in coffee, but they didn't want to fucking hire me. I was a ghetto-ass little 14-year-old kid showed up there fucking baggy-ass pants Straight up lived in fucking one of the worst neighborhoods of that area of the Bay. They didn't want anything to do it. As for the coffee people, I love everybody. You know, if you ask me everybody who I find, who I appreciate, and who I respect a lot, and I think has learned a lot from the coffee industry, I think the 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 Charles Bukinski is hands down done so much more for the coffee industry after he left Intelligentsia than. I hate, I hate using, I hate name dropping because we work in an industry and it's so close, but it's not because he's done this competition or he's won this competition or he's done this or that. And I'm going to go on record for saying this about my shop, dude. Charles 
prove to me that you could start a shop in the shittiest neighborhood and still come up. When you started with Squirrel and they started that little spot, if you don't know LA, you were there, you never went to school when it was there. That neighborhood, was, that neighborhood still isn't gentrified. It's getting there, but I bet it's a lot slower than a lot of Los Angeles. But when they started there, they had people showing up. And it's proof that no matter where you go, people will come to get coffee from you. And when people say, oh, why are you building your, your shop in this shitty ass neighborhood? Why not? What the fuck's, what, you don't think people will come here? Everybody needs coffee. People want to squirrel. You know, he ventured out on his own. Dude, he was one of the fucking very first pioneers. I mean, yeah. Handsome, they were like, oh, we're leaving, we're gonna build this big ass thing, you know, with investors. And Charles and Kyle just were like, fuck it. We just find somebody and do a little spot, get a little pop going, it's just like, Let's get the fuck out of here and push our way. And they did it. They did it on their own. And that's respectable by any means on my terms. Dude, if, you, if you're willing to put your neck out there and take any fucking op- any opportunity in front of you, mm-hmm. you're fucking go, baby. You're out there on your grind. You're a fucking person that I, I respect, you know. And I don't respect a lot of people. Yeah. It's not something that comes easy with me. Yeah. That's what I Oh, you gotta respect people. No, I don't. Fuck you. Respect has to be earned in this world, just like anything else. You don't get respect free. You think people respect me when I go into fucking high-end Gucci places covered in tattoos and gold teeth? Fuck no. Fuck no. They look at me as like, I don't have to respect you. But when I earn their respect, it's given. I feel that it's actually appropriately earned. So. I don't know. And that's one dude, like I said, in the industry that's like, dude, hats off to the motherfucker for putting in his work. He's been doing it for, what, six years now? Mm-hmm. Now they got two locations. He just went up there and fucking tried to put the herd on some fools. And, you know, it happened to go the other way, but at least he's putting his neck out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, why name Heroes and Company Suits and Knives? Oh, Suits and Knives. All right, people. There was a conversation between William, Bur- William Burroughs and uh, Alex Ginsburg and Jack Kerouac in New York City. And uh, at a coffee shop. And he makes reference to the suits and the knives. The suits being the people who go to work every day and the knives being them and how without one there can't be the other so forth. Mm-hmm. And it was only fitting, you know, without the suits you can't have the knives. Without the knives, there's no means for suits. And so it kind of just stuck. And the thing is, is whether or not you hear this and your opinion on things and you have the backlash of things, or the backlash of things come towards me because I make a reference towards the new generation, you know, that's such a hipster thing to say. Well, let's break it down. Maybe instead of saying that's a hipster thing to say, you should educate yourself and stop being ignorant and realize that the word hipster means hip cat. And it's in the reference to a black person who could score weed back in the 1930s. That's what the word hipster means. Time magazine phrased the beatnik generation as 
hipsters. Now, if you have a problem with hipsters, you should erase your Facebook. You should cancel out your Instagram. You should never open your mouth again because you're taking a word and changing it into something that it's not. And then making reference to a company that I name around the quote unquote, the hipster generation. A 3,000 word poem back in 1954 was written and published in 1955 and then again released in 1956 and a year later in 1957 was in front of the Supreme Court Justice. And it was written by Allen Ginsberg. Lawrence, oh God, let's just put it short. Allen Ginsberg is responsible for you being able to write and say whatever the fuck you want on Facebook. Your freedom of speech as your First Amendment has been altered because of quote unquote a hipster that you negatively use as a word that's in connotations behind the word, not positive. So when I named my company after something that I knew that people were like, oh, that's some hipster shit. That's some hipster shit, really? The fact that you can open your fucking mouth today and say the stupid shit you say on your Facebook, which nobody cares about your tweets, is some fucking hipster shit. Because Alan Ginsberg made that shit possible. So when you say something like that, you want to change words around to make things seem a certain way, whatever is beneficial to your use, you can't just change words because you feel like it. Now, if you want to call the people that you don't like genters, that's perfectly fine. Genters are a real thing. Gentrification is a real thing, a real, real thing. Genters are the problem of the world. Genters are the ones that move in and take over neighborhoods after the poor artists that have moved there to actually work to live there because it was cheap and they get a functional, nice place to hang out. And then the genters move in and then you all start calling us hipsters. Because we're younger and you're following us, but we're not really hipsters, we're just artists, people who are living who don't make top dollar living in the poor neighborhoods. But then again, if you want to call me a hipster for the name of my company, like, go ahead, because chances are you're just proving how ignorant you are. What do you, what do you see in the future for Coffee Collab and, and Suits and Nuts? What, what are you excited about? What still inspires you about what you guys are what inspires me? You've been in the game a really long time. Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> no, um, things that inspire me. You know, it, it's not an easy question to answer for people mm -hmm. because I don't get it that much. And the things that inspire me happen on a day-to-day -day basis, but they're nothing like you would think working in coffee. And as far as coffee collab goes, you know, coffee collabs, it, it's always a great idea to, you know, have more adventures as coffee collab and open up other stuff and do more projects. And the same with Suits and I, but the thing is, is coffee collab isn't, isn't just, it's, this is just the tip of the iceberg, kids. You have no clue what the hell I'm planning. <laughs> I have some shit up my sleeve that nobody's fucking ready for in the world. And I, I'm completely stoked about it. And we've been working on this machine for 
five years, six years now, and they do nothing of it. Huh. And everybody's always like, oh, we made this new machine and this new filtration system and this new this and this new this. Yeah, no. We're working on some shit that's going to change a lot of things for hmm. coffee. Crazy. Because people have limited the accessibility of coffee to a specific type of people, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I want coffee to be like gangster rap in 1990. I want that shit fucking everywhere. Infiltrates, yeah. I want fucking England <laughs> on that shit. I want France on that shit. I want fucking everybody on that shit. I don't want to go to England and look for a crappy cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to fucking France and have some asshole tell me how their espresso is the best in the world because the crema is so thick. <laughs> I don't want to go to Spain and have some shitty shit. I want to wake up and when I go wherever the fuck I go on this planet, there is fucking good shit. Yeah. But, then again, I mean, if you're okay with being a big fish in a small pond and want to stay here and focus only on making coffee in LA, Yes. LA will always be my home where my heart is. Mm -hmm. I left a long time ago and decided to come back here and when I got back here I was like, yeah, this place is just what I wanted. I'm back to where I belong. I was here when I was a kid mm -hmm. and then I left. But I'm working, you know, I always believe support local, even if you're in. And this goes out to all the shops, dude. I don't care where the fuck you're at, dude. Don't buy into hype. If you're in Tennessee, if you're in New York, if you're in fucking Minnesota, if you're in Canada, wherever you're at, buy local. Buy milk from your local milk people. Buy tea from your local tea people. I mean, it's kind of hard because tea is really local, but buy it from the local companies that pay taxes in your county. This is what's going to stop us from going into recessions. This is what's going to stop us from hitting a depression. This is what's going to make our economy stronger and our city stronger is by sticking together and buying local. This is the very first time in over 40 years that people are actually proud to buy something that's made in America. Mm -hmm. People are buying artisan wallets. They're buying handcrafted things from local independent artists in that city. So what's the, with that being said, what's the best compliment somebody can give you? How's your day? That's it? Nothing about your coffee? How's your day? By you saying how is your day means even if you don't mean it, it means you give a fuck to stop for a second yeah. and ask me how I'm doing. That means a lot to me. Every day I'm good. Thanks, man. It's all about being in touch with each other. Like I always say, how's the motherfucker do? Sometimes all you gotta do is just hug a motherfucker. She's right in the world. The more people fucking hug each other, shit, we'd have less fucking problems. <laughs> but see, the yeah. wrong person saying that comes out the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You get some little candy ass kid fucking dressed in his bow tie and his suspenders or his fucking lumberjack outfit or his greaser face and he says, more people should hug each other. They just like, oh, you sound like a fucking retard. But for some reason, when they tell you to just hug a motherfucker, it's just, they automatically go, that sounds normal coming out of your mouth. And it's like, well, I mean, it should sound normal coming out of all of our mouths. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, the biggest compliment you can pay me is just, how's your day, 
fact that you appreciate and give a fuck about how my life is, yeah. it probably won't mean anything because you don't have to. Nobody has to, you know. But I think that's that's the difference between a lot of down to earth people and people who are just in the world and they it's also definitely a very touching situation for me. I don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm flattered with everybody in the hype that comes over the coffee and the coffee shop and everything in general. But at the end of the day, I'm just a dude doing what I like to do. So I'm going to ask you, I got one more question. I'm going to end it on coffee. What's the best cup of coffee you ever had? Best cup of coffee I've ever had? The best cup of coffee I've ever had. I had no coffee in my house. I had two days till payday. I hadn't had coffee. I was hungover from going to Rock the Bells tour and just completely fucking out of it. And it was a cup of stale ass, two day old coffee that had been sitting there, black, that I had bought and never fucking drank and sat on the counter and just went about my day. That's the best cup of coffee I ever had because. I wanted nothing more than coffee that day because I had a fucking headache yeah. and I was just hungover and just dry ass mouth, felt like fucking shit, knew I didn't get paid for two days and just wanted anything, a sip of any kind of coffee. And I remember I was sitting on the stove right next to the fucking, right next to the shelf and I'm not going to lie, it was in Long Beach so it's one of those things where like they just like basically moved into LA, well, LA County, and um, I just started freaking out the day before because I just realized that the Filipino people below me love to cook all the time, and that every time they started cooking, cockroaches would come running up the insides of the cupboards, and they would scatter across the counter. <laughs> and I remember moving the cup, and the cockroach shooting out, and me jumping back, yeah. like, oh shit! And the cup almost <laughs> spilling and grabbing it a couple times, like, no, no, please, no. Oh, God, thank you. And that's the best cup of coffee I've ever had. It wasn't the most tasteful, it wasn't the most flavorful. Totally had no caffeine in it at all, but that was yeah. the best cup of coffee that I had ever actually had in my life because I needed it and wanted it so fucking bad. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and tell you the best cup of I can't tell you the best coffees that I've had that were freshly made, you know? Yeah, nothing off the table. I mean, also, that wasn't really the question. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that coffee's coffee. At the end of the day, I like all coffee. And no one person ever has made me a cup that I've been like, wow. It's like, fuck it. I don't care. I mean, that's the thing I want people yeah. to remember is like, don't forget where we came from. And who you're doing it with. Yeah, we started yeah. this shit a long ass time. We've all been through our 20s, in our early 20s and our late 20s. And if you're hearing this and you're in your early 20s or late 20s, you have a lot more to come, especially if you're in your early 20s talk to me. I suggest that you realize right now you made the wrong choice. You're stuck for the rest of your life in it coffee. Is. And if you'd like to prove me wrong, prove me wrong. But I guarantee you a year or two later, you'll be back. Yeah. Nobody leaves. They all come back. It's part of, part of the culture. Plus, if you're a guy, 
Where else do you get a chance to sit there and fucking talk to girls without having to even worry about come up with, coming up with a pickup line? Yeah. You get to see your crush every day for free. You don't have to buy her drinks. You don't have to go out and try to hit on her. She openly talks to you and she yeah. finds you entertaining. And girls, I, I mean, you definitely don't want to date a guy that you meet in a coffee shop no. if you're working behind the bar. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks, man. This yeah, is, for sure. This like I said, I mean, I would, I definitely. Frank, Frank. Headshot. Frank, Frank. Sit down. Frank, Frank. Stand up. Frank, Frank. Pass out. Frank, Frank. Wake up. Frank, Frank. Fade it. Frank, Frank. Fade it. Here we go. Three coffees. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I only ordered one. You said coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> no, see, I said coffee, coffee, coffee. Right. As in, I really need coffee, coffee, coffee. You know? No. Coffee, coffee, coffee is a saying, like an exaggeration. It's a funny, desperate cry for caffeine. It's just my thing. It's a bit. My bit. It's not a particularly funny bit unless you know me. Then, you know what? Three coffees would be great. What do I owe you?